Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control, Deccans. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know at the very end of a whirlwind week as we record this. So, uh, as we've been doing recently, we just want to check in with each other. Uh, Matt, how's it How's it going? It's going really well. Okay. Just uh, finished an interview with John Douglas, the FBI profiler from Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about Wayne Williams. It was awesome. Nice, nice. Looking forward to hearing that. Yeah. Noel, how are you doing? I'm okay. Um, me and you had a little bit of a Chicago adventure doing stuff mm-hmm. for ad sales and uh, just got back. Yeah. I want to I learn more about that. Well, we basically just present kind of a faux podcast for advertisers so that they understand how ad ads work in podcasting because you'd think it'd be obvious, but a lot of people don't really – you know, old school marketers are more mm-hmm. into like radio and like television and more traditional forms of advertising. So we literally do a kind of pretend podcast with panelists <laughs> who are executives in our company and then they, oh. there you go. And some are great on mic, yeah. which is yeah. – Yeah, and you know the week before that I was in Texas – uh, doing it, doing a similar thing. Uh, so we've been we've been on the road, and I think we'll I think all of us will end up 
traveling over the summer. But of course, uh, the best part of this crazy job is getting together to hang out with with you three in the studio and all of you listening today. But if you say, I love listening to this show, I also love communicating in my own way. You know, I, I, I have ears, but I also have a voice and I have something to say. We have got your back. You can call us directly. We are one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave a message. You got three minutes. If it takes more than that, just call back. And feel free to get weird with it. If you don't want us to use your name, make sure to say that in the message. Today's question, are we alone? This is one of the most profound, disquieting, fundamental questions of the human species. And since before the dawn of recorded history, we have explored this question via stories theories, myths, and legends about what could be out there on the edges of the map or what could be out there in the stars even before we understood exactly what uh, galaxies and solar systems and stars are actually like. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting evolution, right? Because we've talked about this in the past in episodes on UFO abductions and fey culture, right, and the, the whole idea of changelings. The characters of our myths and our folklore are not set in stone, not near as much as we we sometimes think. We had for thousands and thousands and thousands of years legends about demons and angels and supernatural beings. And now we still have these same sorts of phenomena occurring in our oral traditions, but the stories have shifted from from the fae or the fair folk to stories about extraterrestrials, extra-dimensional entities, and so on. And if you look back at those stories, the fascinating thing is the story of an alien abduction, aside from the window dressing, it mirrors beat by beat the story of uh, being abducted by uh, the elves or fae folk, you know, pulling a Rip Van Winkle. But the the idea is we were always looking for intelligent, non-human species, something very different from us that shared one fundamental trait, sapience, wisdom, sentience. This search continues today. Spoiler alert, you will run into many people who feel like they have cracked the case, but not everyone agrees with them. Yeah, it's true. And the search uh, actually in real life continues today. And what is it now? 2019? I keep losing track. Yeah, it's 2019. Yep. Uh, and some people really thought that we'd found an answer to this question unequivocally. Uh, but then something happened. Well, what happened? Here are the facts. So starting in 2007, uh, there are these things called fast radio bursts that radio astronomers started to detect. It's a phenomenon. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's very different from other types of radio uh, waves that are intercepted by some of the instruments that we use. Like the one you guys went out to, the Green Bank out in West Virginia in the yeah. radio quiet zone. Mm-hmm. Those things are always looking and they'll find things. Well, in particular, these are called fast radio bursts. Let's mm-hmm. give you the story behind it. There's an astronomer named Duncan Lorimer and his student David uh, Narkovic and they found the first official fast radio burst when they were looking for pulsar data. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for that and they end up coming across this weird little thing, this quick little millisecond burst uh, and they're like, man, what the heck is that stuff? Oh, and then Duncan says, let's call it a Lorimer burst. 
I'm yeah. kidding. They are, they are commonly called Lorimer bursts, but yeah. we don't know how, how it went down like that. You're right, Matt. It's, it's typically going to last one to maybe, maybe a few more milliseconds. And it's also a transient pulse. That's important because that means we cannot predict where these things will occur. Which, which comes into our story in a big way. Uh, and since we can't predict where they occur, we don't know when to look for them or where to look for them. And we also don't know what causes them. Yeah. We just know that they are one of the largest discharges of energy that we have witnessed. And it's so weird to think that they're that large, but they only occur, or at least we only measure them in these tiny moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally like the blink of an eye. One of these objects can let loose as much energy as the sun puts out in an entire year. Let's I, say that doesn't impress let's me. Let's just say that. But we, that would be weird if it didn't. But, you know, if you're a really hard sell, it's also enough energy to run, oh, a little thing called humanity. Ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. The human race? <laughs> Civilization as we know it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Run humanity, not in ancient times, but uh, run 2019 uh, human life across the planet for 10 trillion years uh, without any change in its strength or any variance over time, which is impressive. But that's that's also telling us that there's no gearing up to whatever is causing this. You know what I mean? We don't see a rise to that peak that Matt's talking about. They're all over the sky. They're not concentrated on the plane of the Milky Way. They're also very, 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 very far away. And that's why despite being so powerful, the strength of the signal reaching Earth is actually 1,000 times less than the signal that would come from a mobile phone on the moon trying to call one eight three three stdwytk But feel free to give it a shot if you want. Yeah. Just think about that. The moon is so far away, uh, half of us can't get service in like the airport. So that so it's amazing that something like Green Bank can sense a signal that small. And the only reason we can sense this signal from billions of light years away is because it is so powerful. On the SETI website, they describe the actual energy that's being measured by our instruments to detect one of these mm-hmm. is less than the energy it would take for an ant to move its leg, basically, the the amount of ATP that that would take. Yeah. That's what they're detecting. It's smaller than that. And yet, because it's so small, we can – we understand – because of the distance, how strong it is. That, that's mind-blowing to me. So what could be doing this? These are happening now as you listen. These are happening now. We don't know how many are occurring because of the way we end up finding them. People have proposed uh, a number of possible explanations, and the big ones right now would be it's a black hole. It's, it's just it's something with a black hole, and then someone else says, no, that's malarkey. That's space-age malarkey. It's obviously a rotating neutron star. Duh. All right, and then more people come in, uh, no, uh, hashtag no sucralos, and say it's extraterrestrial life. No sucralos. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sounds like a special dressing. <laughs> yes. I'll have, the, I'll have the Cobb salad. It's 86, the sucralos. <laughs> but this is pretty strange stuff, right? I mean – We have to stress that these are not live events. Because they're billions of light years away, that means if we look at a timeline, this occurred a long, 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 long time ago and took 
the speed of light to travel here. Right? It reminds me of that episode of The Adventures of Pete and Pete mm-hmm. where there's an alien character that's in the school and um, they're obsessed throughout the episode about Johnny Unitas and this football game that gets transmitted and it takes like years for this alien kid's civilization to see the broadcast because it and so they're only just now seeing it and they think johnny unitas is like this current you know star because they're like seeing it because it takes that long for radio waves to travel through space that (laughs) it also reminds me of this may be a deep cut to some of us but i i recently rewatched this and i the nostalgia made me love it do you guys remember that film explorers it's like those three kids build a spaceship yeah. And Is it 80s? Yeah, 1985. Yeah. Chuck mentioned it uh, on Movie Crush, and I'd never seen it or even heard of it, and I looked it up briefly. And mm-hmm. it was sort of a contemporary with, like, Flight of the Navigator or, like, kind of that era. Yeah. Also, the na- main character <laughs> named Ben. But they mm. get these dreams uh, from what turns out to be a UFOs, and I won't – or turns out to be aliens, sorry. A UFO could be anything, right? It could be a hot air balloon. But this – this is important for our purposes because just like you're talking about with that uh, that gap in time and transit of information, the aliens in that film are also fascinated with very old uh, television and radio programs that have made it out there in space. And it's an endearing story. Unfortunately, the science is, is a little tougher because as – as those signals travel from Earth, they tend to dissipate and they can get lost in the background noise. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Pete and Pete got it wrong, Ben? I'm saying that, you know, they're no Bill Nye. That's fair. I think it's unfair. <laughs> I actually miss the uh, Pete and Pete boat, but one of uh, one of my friends, one of our mutual friends actually, is uh, still head over heels – or I should say over the moon for this show, uh, for Pete and Pete. So write in. Let us know if you liked Pete and Pete. That's the one where the one kid had the tattoo, right? Yeah, Petunia. He uh, can make a dance. It's also the first place I ever heard of who Iggy Pop was because he was in the show. He played Nona's dad, and he would just build in the credits as Iggy Pop. I'm like, what kind of name for a person is Iggy Pop? Yeah. And but, then turns out he's this total crazy anarchist punk rock guy. That's yeah, like yeah. that guy, the main actor in Young Einstein. His name was Yahoo Sirius. <sighs> and that was the breaking point for me as a child when I was like, hmm, I think sometimes people in Hollywood don't use their real names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, this is this is strange stuff. It's not it's not live. We're we're getting these uh, details way after they happened. And additionally, our searches were largely not live because we were – Matt, as you said, we were going through this archive data. So what Duncan Lorimer found was information that he pulled from a survey of different pulsars and it just happened to contain this information of what we now call FSBs. And the thing was that as soon as we found one back in 07, we started finding more and more. By 2010 – Astronomers in places around the world had found 16, and as they were discovering more, detecting more, scientists began to realize that there must be more to this fast radio burst thing than they originally thought. So by 2012, Victoria Caspi of McGill University figured that as many as 10,000 fast bursts occur every single day across the sky. And yes, they're powerful, um, but they're also incredibly short, uh, and that's why they're very difficult to catch, except 
when they repeat. Ooh, and we'll learn about that right after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here's where it gets crazy. Let's call this part of the episode, Don't Call It a Comeback, just because that's a cool phrase. In November of 2015, an astronomer named Paul Scholes at McGill University in Canada found 10 
and there's a quote here, non-periodically repeated fast radio pulses in archival data gathered in May uh, and June 2015 by the Arecibo Radio Telescope. So these 10 bursts that he discovered have dispersion measures and sky positions consistent with the original burst, which was called FRB 121102 that was detected back in 2012. This means that this series of bursts, unlike any other radio burst discovered beforehand, it's repeating from the same place. The same massive discharge of energy is happening over and over again. And what they also figured out was that like the burst, the original burst in 2012, each of these emissions has a plasma dispersion measure that is a full three times larger than anything possible for any source within the Milky Way galaxy. That means that whatever this is is so far away, it's not even in our galaxy, and it's happening uh, at least you know 10 or 11 times, probably more that we haven't caught. This this team, Schultz's team, thinks that finding this rules out a self-destructive cataclysmic event that, you know, like the kind of trick that can only happen once, like a magician actually sawing someone in half. Well, yeah, it's like it reminds me of just an explosion, right? When mm-hmm. you're when you're thinking about that amount of energy that gets released, if you think about the the impact wave, uh, the the wave that gets sent out whenever there's a massive explosion here on Earth, mm-hmm. like um, that wave is essentially what that radio burst would be once it reaches Earth. That's what we're, what you're thinking. So you could only have that one time with the initial explosion, or when when a star collapses into a black hole, you get that initial burst of energy that would be sent out. But it, like you said, Ben, it doesn't happen over and over and over and over again, at least not with those kinds of explosions that, ha- that happen out in the cosmos. Right. You explode a star, it's gone. And the thing is, to other folks, this meant that there might just be some intelligence um, manipulating, directing, mm-hmm. actively causing these fast radio bursts. Yeah, which is mind-boggling and the implications – but this one burst is not – or this one location burst is not the only example. Quite recently, this year, January 2019 as we call it on this planet, astronomers discovered a second source of repeating fast radio bursts. They named this one uh, fast radio burst 180814. They're not being – they're being super specific with the names and they have a system, but it's not as anthropomorphological as – uh, naming hurricanes, right? And this was found at a place called the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment, or CHIME, which is a way better name than FRB 180814. <laughs> so they found six bursts between August and October 2018 consistent with origination from a single position in the sky. This meant that this discovery was still very, very recent for our society. Uh, this meant that just in in less than in less than fifteen years, they had found things that were fundamentally changing their understanding of what these bursts were. Because when they detected this stuff, they said, "Well, we found one, and we thought that might have been exceptional, but now we found two that are exhibiting the same traits." We think there may be a substantial population 
of points, specific points in the universe that were billions of years ago emitting these massive bursts of energy for milliseconds at a time. And yeah, what in the heck could cause that? Get to the aliens. <laughs> Get to, it's time for the aliens. We're all waiting for it. So some researchers have argued that the mysterious phenomenon called fast radio burst could be evidence of advanced alien tech. Specifically, the argument is the most um, – I would say the most academic argument, the most sophisticated argument is that these bursts may be energy leakage from planet-sized transmitters that are powering interstellar probes. And, yeah, this comes to us from a guy named Avi Loeb at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. And he had to deal with – we've talked about this before. He had to deal with some opprobrium and some uh, some side some side eye at the very least from his colleagues in this discipline because often in the vaunted halls of ivory towers, certain types of research are considered off-limits or fundamentally um, wrong-headed, I guess. Yeah, there we go, wrong-headed. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an old uh, Bush administration quote. Wrong-headed hit the mainstream during the Bush administration as a way to say not that something was factually inaccurate, that's right, yeah. but that it was dumb to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So someone would say, like, well, you know, it turned out there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and someone else would go, you know, that is wrong-headed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So why not just say wrong before dumb? It's like a very diplomatic, uh, couched kind of term, right? And it's also removing, uh, removing responsibility. Responsibility from yes, for from the, the fact that whatever they're saying is true. That's right. You just don't think it's right-headed, but no one ever said right-headed either. Mm -mm. It's just wrong-headed. But yeah, so so. Avi Loeb and team have to, uh, have to deal with some criticism, a little bit of controversy. But their defense for this was, you know, they said, look, we're not, we're not crazy people, any more crazy or unstable than the average astrophysicist. Uh, we think there's nothing wrong with this question. And they explained it uh, the following way. We've got a great quotation from them. Fast radio bursts are exceedingly bright given their short duration and origin at great distances, and we haven't identified a possible natural source with any confidence. An artificial origin is worth contemplating and checking. That's it. He's just saying no, not, it's not a dumb question. It's worth looking into it. Yeah, and, and in the article from the Smithsonian, the Harvard Smithsonian Center where they're talking about that, they – you know, they make a great point of science is about checking a hypothesis and deciding whether or not there's enough evidence to support that. And then mm -hmm. can you repeat it, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think we do ourselves as humanity a disservice if we completely throw this out the window rather than at least checking a box and saying, okay, well, it's not this thing. But let's at least conceptualize what it could be if it were. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how investigations and research work. I was personally – you can find the paper online. You read the f full paper and it's pretty fascinating. I was personally um, persuaded by the possibility of this. They, they built a pretty defensible argument. So Loeb has a co-author, a guy named uh, Manasvi Lingam who's from Harvard. And what they looked at was just the feasibility of something. Is it possible to build something that could do this, that could create this much energy? And keep in mind when you're learning about this that this is within our understanding on this planet of how physics works overall and exactly how uh, – the, what the limits of technology are. Right, because – 
if someone were building something that could create a fast radio burst, they would be on a way different position in the Kardashev scale. Right? Yeah. So here's what they found. They said, okay, could you build a radio transmitter strong enough to give even that very, very weak signal uh, to us this far away? And they said, you know, if the transmitter were solar-powered, it would have to be absorbing sunlight on an area of a planet twice the size of Earth. And if – so think about the total land mass of Earth. Multiply that by two. If you took all the sunlight that was falling on that much land, you would generate enough – again, from our understanding, you would generate enough power to, uh, to make this thing kind of happen. So you would have to construct it. That's the other thing. How would you construct something that is two Earths worth of fully functioning uh, solar power? Right. And I would I would just argue that you know I'm look I'm no Harvard Smithsonian physicist here, but if you're talking about Kardashev scale, then maybe you're talking about you know something that could harness the entire power of a star. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what are those things called? D- Dyson spheres. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know. It wouldn't have to be the planet that's absorbing the sunlight. It could be the thing that's absorbing the star just in general, right? Right, right. <laughs> anyway. Cut out the middleman. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. That's a very good argument. Well, they So they said, okay, we know that our species can't build that yet. But according to the laws of physics as we understand them, it is possible to build that. And they also said, okay, well – all right, we know energy-wise it's possible, but if we built this transmitter, how how could we actually make it work from an engineering perspective, which a lot of people forget. And that's one of the most important things in any construction project, whether we're talking uh, autonomous vehicles and space shuttles or a good, a good paperclip. You know what I mean? So if you're an engineer out there listening, thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for saving the show. Appreciate Love a good paperclip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a perfect object. I'm a flexible straw fan. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm easily – we were talking about this earlier. I think I am so easily impressed by small, smart inventions. Absolutely. Oh, man. How do you feel about crazy straws? Love them. Too crazy for me. Too crazy? Oh, yeah? yeah. They're definitely a statement. Yeah, they, they just make me uncomfortable. Someone who's like, I want all this soda eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not all at once. I want it to be a drink and a form of entertainment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like someone saw the board game Mousetrap and they said, what if I could put that between me and everything I drink? Yeah. So let's talk about the transmitter oh, yeah. that was uh, like – so what happens if you can even build one of these things if you're harnessing that much oh, power? yes, from the engineering perspective. How could you make something like this work without immediately burning itself up in a fiery inferno, you know? Yeah. You would be, uh, you would be capable of keeping it running for multiple uses, according to this paper, if you created a water-cooled device – that was also twice the size of Earth. So we are four <laughs> Earths deep now to make one location that could send uh, FRB, fast radio burst. And then that's, that's just the fact. Okay, so that's the crazy news. There's no proof that it happened, but it is technically possible, right? That's technically correct. Someone say the best kind of correct to say that a civilization that was way better than us 
could yeah. could potentially build it. But it doesn't answer the biggest question: Why would you build this? Yeah, why the hell would you? <laughs> why double size the Earth with all that water and all that just land mass yeah. to gather solar energy and then make a giant radio burst? Why why the hell would you do that? Well, how about powering interstellar light sails? Huh? There we go. How about that? What, okay. what is that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the amount of power that's involved uh, in such a device would be enough to push a million tons of payload or about 20 times the largest cruise ship on Earth. And uh, here's a quote from Lingham. That's big enough to carry living passengers across interstellar or even intergalactic distances. So to power a light sail, um, the transmitter would need to focus a beam on it continuously. So it would be like wireless transmission of this energy. Yeah, this this stuff is fascinating um, because there's there's some stuff we're going to talk about a little later about attempting to use this kind of technology here on Earth and some plans mm-hmm. to make use of it there. And just to, to backtrack really quick, this is a uh, completely um, theoretical form of technology. Right. Solar sails are um, – at this time, there are, they're in a drawing board phase. Yeah. Uh, the idea is that you can propel a spacecraft or some object through through the ink, uh, which I like to call space, mm-hmm. uh, through through the ink using the radiation pressure exerted by sunlight on large mirrors. So you're pushing it with light, like you were saying, Noel. It's it's turning it into a space sailboat. And a good analogy would be like a sailboat where the light is exerting the force on the mirrors uh, in the same way that wind would be exerting force on a sail. Yeah, and in this way, it's almost like a giant laser. Like a giant laser beam. Now, let's keep in mind that Whatever speed an object like this would be traveling at, it would not be the speed of light. No. It would be much, 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 much slower. And if there were people living on that thing, depending on where they were going, or if there were entities living on that thing, depending on where they were going, then it would be um, – it could very well be something like uh, that sci-fi concept of the arc. You know what I mean? Where the people who actually are – I keep saying people, were the entities uh, who actually arrive at the the destination or the end point are generations removed from the people who began the journey. So back to how this power would work to power such a thing, the transmitter would need to shoot the focused beam of this energy at the sail continuously. Mm-hmm. And, and to uh, earthly observers, this would appear in the form of a brief flash caused by the sail and its host planet, star, or galaxy all moving in, in relation to us, relative to us. Right. So we wouldn't have a consistent vantage point. I would also, I would also wonder if it's possible, depending on, uh, on how, how this would work out technologically speaking, I wonder if it's possible for them to just shoot beams, not continually, not continuously, rather, but shoot them in burst to yeah. give it, you know, to give it a, a, a little more thrust, and then maybe even adjust the sails and hit a burst again if it needs to make a turn. So, as a result of what you were saying, Noel, that that beam is moving across the sky, but it only points at us for a for a moment, you know, like a flashlight in the dark, and. Repeated appearances of the beam, which are have been observed, right, but can't really be explained through the the normal things like the death of stars or or the collapse of black holes or something. 
these repeated appearances might give us clues about an artificial origin. Now, in the paper, they are very clear to say that this is all speculation. And other investigators poo-poo and tut-tut this all the live-long day. Do they tisk it? They do. They tisk as well. There's a, bit of, there's a lot of tiskery and uh, tut-tutology going on. Because their big question is, again, what could motivate any sort of society or civilization to produce signals that are so intense they can be seen from other galaxies? There was a great line on this, and I think it was maybe uh, space.com or science news, uh, where they said, this would be like the sinking Titanic using a flare gun bright enough to be seen from Mars. Jeez. Like, what would you what would you do? And this also reminds me of that that old sci-fi trope, which I, I think is possible, uh, you know, where we finally get a signal back from all the SETI stuff we've been we've been sending out there and all, all these other radio signals. And it's coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, the actual, the way the story goes is they, they get a message back and it translates to, shh, they'll hear you. Yeah. Whoa. Which is, I mean, that's the great filter, right? But, but... Okay, so we've got the aliens, and the big news for today's episode is the aliens are actually possible. There's that extraterrestrial thing from what we understand about physics and uh, the nature of the universe. Uh, this extraterrestrial angle is possible. It's not proven, but more and more people are saying uh, maybe we are not the best qualified to search for signs of life. Let's ask our uh, our new uh, quickly up-and-coming children of humanity for some help. Let's throw artificial intelligence into the mix. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So on August 26th of 2017, astronomers with the Breakthrough Listen Project, which is a $100 million project uh, to hunt for signs of intelligent alien life, uh, these folks spotted 21 repeating light pulses. Uh, we've been referring to for this whole episode, fast radio bursts, FRBs, and they were emanating from the dwarf galaxy FRB 121102. Um, and that was all within an hour's time. Right. So let's talk about Breakthrough Listen for just a second to to establish what they are. Breakthrough Listen is, according to its own website, BreakthroughInitiatives.org, the largest ever scientific research program aimed at finding evidence of civilizations beyond Earth. Uh, they are searching on a scale that's uh, unprecedented in any other publicly available uh, forums. So and they're also being aided by SETI they overall are. in general. Yes. Yeah, they are. Uh, they have been surveying the one million closest stars to Earth, the center of the galaxy, the galactic plane, and they listen to – they listen for at least messages or signals from the 100 galaxies closest to our own, closest to the Milky Way. So they are not messing around. And they have uh, they have another program that was of particular interest to us, right? Yeah, there's one called Breakthrough Starshot that is actually exactly what we were talking about in the, in the last section about solar sails and using some type of light beam, like a laser of sorts, a, a focused energy beam to to send these very tiny, very 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 tiny probes out through space with a solar sail um, by sh by shooting this thing at them, and it's another thing. Um, this Starshot project, just like the one we talked about before, Breakthrough Listen, is again $100 million and maybe it's com combined funding. We haven't actually seen their books, but uh, they got a lot of money from that Yuri Milner character, this Russian-born billionaire. And they're talking about 
you would only have to aim this beam because of the energy you would produce at the solar sail for nine minutes. And once you've done that, then you get this thing up to roughly 20% of the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to travel out through to some other star system, maybe to Alpha Centauri, maybe somewhere else like that, um, just to see what's out there, Proxima B. They're just going to send out probes, these tiny little baby probes. And they're thinking it'll take about 30 years, roughly, to make this kind of thing happen. And, uh, by the way, billions and billions and billions of dollars. Billions and billions (laughs) and billions and billions and billions and billions. With our current technology, they're saying it's roughly 8.4 billion is what it'll be to actually make this laser beam thing happen. Um, and the uh, dude, the uh, the area that they would need is roughly a kilometer wide um, thing, right? To to actually hold this laser <laughs> to transmit the light, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so this this is a a fascinating project. Now, like a lot of these ambitious projects, they're probably if they get to it, they're probably going to run over their deadline. It's probably not going to be in the next 30 years, or at least if it happens in the next 30 years, it'll probably be them working with someone else. Future historians will rightly think that it's ridiculous uh, that so many great ideas that are feasible were held back because of our obsession with generating money. Uh, not the, you know, the economy is not the best plan we've had, but I, I guess it's, it got us to where we are so far, right? That's right. So best of luck to listen, Starshot, and all the folks at Breakthrough. If you happen to be listening today, would love to interview you about some of this stuff. Yes. So when, when I read about Starshot, one of the things that I noticed that we should definitely point out is, again, this would be an arc scenario, you know, like depending on where they fly to. Yeah, not, it's not coming back. Yeah, it's a one-way shot. So th- these researchers applied machine learning techniques to a data set from August of 2017. The researchers at Breakthrough Listen, led by a doctoral student named Jerry Zhang, They wanted to train this algorithm, which they called a convolutional neural network, to spot FRBs uh, out of 400 terabytes of data. This thing essentially got an intern job. Look through this and see if it meets the parameters of this. It's kind of like the the strategy that IT companies use to optimize search results, you know, if you Google something. Mm -hmm. And they dug up, just from using this approach, an additional 72 light flashes. Uh, so that brought the total number of FRBs detected on that day from that single source to 93. And it looks like we're going to see more and more of this sort of partnership between humans and algorithms. We're going to have more sophisticated algorithms, maybe ultimately machine consciousness, uh, whatever you feel best uh, describes AI, uh, helping us, and it will be significant. However, one thing that no machine consciousness, no algorithm can tell us yet is why this would happen, why why these things would exist. So the the most exciting part of this story is that it actually could be aliens. We can only say that, here's the tricky part, because no one knows what causes these fast radio bursts. 
The vast majority of people looking into this are almost certain it is caused by something mundane, by nature, not technology. Yeah, like a magnetar, which is something you'll have to – well, a magnetar is cool, man. Magnetar sounds great. It It, sounds like a metal band. It sounds like it it could be a villain in a 70s kids cartoon. Yes. Yes. I am magnetar. (laughs) Yeah, or or it sounds like a really really weird – here and gone synth instrument from the, yeah. from the 80s. It's like, all right, and we've got, you know, Derek Jeter on Magnetar. Well, see, yes, exactly. But a Magnetar is actually just a highly uh, magnetized neutron star. Oh, hail Magnetar. <laughs> well, That's the, what it sounds to me. The thing is, this giant star spins on a millisecond scale, like yeah. is spinning so fast that the way the radiation comes off of it it could explain why you'd get this quick burst, essentially, that then occurs like 90-something times in a certain span in a single 24-hour period. Um, I don't know. It's just – it's really interesting. It's something that could be out there. It's not exciting, but would it's you, possible. Would you be okay with the nickname Magnetar? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Mag- I want to get a – oh, man. All right. To Photoshop, I've got to get some Magnetar pictures of Matt up. Matt the Magnetar Frederick. Mm-hmm. I like it. So no, okay, I'll take it. We'll workshop it. So people are betting on this mundane explanation. Why is it because they're being fuddy duddies, sticks in the proverbial mud, and sort of, but not not. That's not the entire reason. See, these bursts are seen all across the sky, and that means that if they're coming from all these different multiple locations all the time that if someone were to build this, if some entity were to build this, they would have been building tons of them. Like it, it's like it would be the universe equivalent of quick trips or mattress firms, you know, or Starbucks is a better analogy. It's just so much stuff to build. That's four Earth's worth of just land for everything and for every single one. So how could, if these are aliens – how could they build a network that size that, again, is billions of years old and these are billions of light years apart? How could they build this sort of thing uh, really when if you look at their timeline, they there hasn't been very much time since the Big Bang from what we know at this point when these would have had to have been constructed assuming that they were constructed very, very quickly. So even if you think of a reason – for doing this, it's hard to think of the organization. This would be this would literally be something spanning the known universe. And also, we have to look at ourselves. The search for aliens is really at this point kind of a search for ourselves. We're a very narcissistic outfit. You know, we're desperate not to be alone in the universe, and we have an MO. We have a pattern, we have a type, we have historically attributed tons of new new astronomical mysteries to extraterrestrials. There, there are multiple examples. Yeah, it's true. Uh, a half century ago, Soviet scientists uh, thought they were pretty sure that quasars were actually signals being broadcast by advanced societies uh, in a galaxy far, far away. Well, yeah, because as soon as we first can detect something on, you know, on Earth here, mm-hmm. and it's some kind of strange signal that's repeating especially or a signal, you know, that appears to come from a very specific place and 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 doesn't stop, then we we hope. It's that it's that thing you're talking about, Ben. We mm-hmm. it's our MO. We we need it so badly to be something else 
that we truly thought that's what quasars were. They were somebody sending out radio signals. And in the 1960s, they even like referred to them as uh, little green men. Right? <laughs> that's, I mean, in, in a hope that maybe we'll get to meet them. I know this is something that's been discussed, but I think it's so funny that historically we always expect that aliens from another galaxy far, far away are going to, like, communicate with us on our terms in some way, you know, or, like, mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. methods that we can understand. Right. I think that's always a funny misnomer where we think we're kind of at the center of the universe, you know. They're, they're great. Uh, they're great. And I truly mean this. Noble. uh research initiatives going on to to figure out how best to communicate with a non-human entity and one of the one of the weirdest analogs we have now is communication with uh maritime invertebrates you know the octopus the squid the cuttlefish uh in the octopus case especially they're some of the most intelligent non-mammals that we know of they're the closest thing we have to aliens that are intelligent and they're great. I mean, thank God they don't have spines and they don't really live very long because otherwise we we would be eventually possibly sharing sharing the planet with a sapient species. Oh, by the way, uh, there was a – I think a European country, maybe Germany, recently granted legal personhood to uh, chimpanzees, dolphins. Mm. Yeah, we talked about that years ago. Yeah. But so maybe those are sapient as well. So now we know Ave Loeb and his team are correct in that it is possible uh, to bi- it is possible that some civilization who had its ducks in way better rows than our civilization uh, could have built something that would propel spacecraft to travel um, between the stars into the ink, kind of like a space-age version of Noah's Ark, but possible is not always plausible. And the big question here is one of motivation. So so what do you think? Let us know. Uh, also, while we're at it, should we be encouraging the attention of extraterrestrials? That's the big question. The late Stephen Hawking was very much against the idea of encountering extraterrestrials on our home turf. Also, yeah, we're biased because we communicate through sound and sight, right? Uh, what about an entity that just communicates through senses we don't have or senses that are less important to us, like smell? You know what I mean? I think the film that did the best job of exploring that is um, Arrival. Because there was like the language barrier with those aliens and it was much more of a visual language than it was. At all. I mean I, I can't remember exactly but that was a good one in terms of like this expectation of being able to communicate one-to-one with the aliens. And yeah. they were a bit octopus-like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spoiler uh, alert. And read the book to read the story. Uh, Ted Chang wrote that. He is – man, he is great. I've been reading a lot of um, – I've been writing uh, – or reading a lot more sci-fi recently. I – even more than usual. I recently read one called The Three-Body Problem. Uh, it's hard science fiction by a Chinese writer. Highly recommend it if you're interested. Part of a trilogy, though, so watch out. You'll get sucked in. So tell us, aliens, as we say here in the South, are you firm or again them? Yeah. And uh, let's see. There are all sorts of ways that you can tell us your opinion. You can give, <laughs> give us a phone call. Yeah, we are one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave a message you might get on the show. 
You can also do the old Facebook internet-y thing with our Facebook group, which is what we kind of pitch as the best way to get a hold of us and uh, the amazing community of listeners that you guys are a part of by the very nature of just listening to the show right now. You can find that at Here's Where It Gets Crazy. All you have to do is, I think, answer a simple question, which is like, name one of our names. Or if you get really clever and creative, uh, our awesome mods tend to screenshot those and send them to us, and you're going to get in. If you just say something creative and do a nod and a wink to something from the show, we love that. Yeah. True. Make us laugh. We're we're pushovers. We're an easy crowd. You should see us at comedy shows. We do a lot for stand up comics uh, confidence. Yes. That's hey, true. And everyone prepare yourselves. Black Mirror has a new season coming out really soon on what? Netflix. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Do yeah. you have the inside scoop on this? Yeah, no, no. It's coming in June, I think. That's awesome. I can't wait. Nice. I hope we do some more choose your own adventure stuff, which is brilliant for Netflix's algorithms. So you can find us there. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. And if none of that quite bags your badgers, you can email us directly. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 